forth. All right, this morning, take uh, your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we're in uh, uh, on uh, the difference between a wise man and a foolish man. And of course, uh, this sprung board out of Matthew chapter 7, where the Lord says that a wise man chooses to build his house upon the rock. And of course, that rock is Christ, and he's talking about uh, we're going to do this God's way. And in this life, you're going to have a choice. You can choose to live your life God's way, the way God says to do it. God gives us the pattern on how to live our lives. Or you can go your way, which is the devil's way, which is the broad way. And that'll be, uh, in your opinion, would be called the easy way, where you just... You make decisions based upon how you feel in the moment. And so you use your emotions. Now, here's the problem with that. Your emotions can be manipulated. Your emotions can uh, uh, change from day to day. You could hear a sad song and you could be now all of a sudden want to cry. You could hear a happy song and then you would want to laugh. A lot of times movies are set to music and that music will uh, begin to work on your emotions to make sure you're having the correct emotional response that the director wants you to have in the scene that you're watching. So emotions can be manipulated. You could uh, eat pizza late at night uh, and drink chocolate milkshake and uh, have uh, weird emotions through the night. <laughs> okay, you could get indigestion, you could get heartburn, and you could have some weird emotions, all right? Uh, you could have different uh, reactions to medications and then have uh, weird emotions, or you might have an emotional disorder. If you have these things, or be given to depression, and I would always advise you that if you're in the middle of a depressive episode, do not be making big decisions, uh, because your emotions are not right. If you are a person given to an emotional roller coaster, as in you're up one day and down the next, and your lows are real low, but your highs are crazy high, and you'll do just about anything because you just feel like you can fly, that's a problem. And you're needing to be able to make or learn to make decisions, life's choices, based upon principle, not on your emotion and how you feel. Remember this, that your emotions are like seasoning that help you uh, enhance the experiences you have. A lot of problems in today's worship and today's worship styles is they come in looking for an emotion, and so they try to generate an emotion of energy. And so you'll have the hip-hop music. You'll, you'll, they'll do anything to get people to feel good about themselves. Here's the problem. That's not how God says to do it in our worship. God says, you obey me, you do what I tell you to do, worship how I say to worship, and because you obey God, then that emotion, God will give you the right emotion that you should feel from that experience. So don't go into worship looking for an emotional high and then say, oh, that was worship. No, emotions... When God's in it, they're given to you as a result of doing things that are right, and they help season the moment. They can be used like a drug. 
Uh, and then so people become emotion junkies. We call them drama queens, you know, drama. It's all about drama because they just got to always have something going on. So let's get into this. We've talked about the other cornerstones, and I don't want to keep rehashing that every week because we'll spend 20, 30 minutes on review. But we understand that you're going to need water if you're going to survive in this life. Uh, water, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what opens your account. You're not doing nothing without being born again. But then you're going to need shelter. That's family. Say, I don't have family. Then you can make a family. That's why God has set it up. And so you're going to need that shelter. And if, if that is not possible, then God give you food or church, which doubles as food and shelter. You need it. You need God's social networking program. Well, God was all about socialization, and it was to be done uh, within the body of Christ in the church. Now today, the fourth thing you're going to need to make it in life is going to be the ability to make right decisions, right choices. And, and, and I'm, I, I also want you to understand, this has been on my heart for a couple of weeks. I don't think I've said it. I don't want you to listen to these messages as an older person and say, wow, I've made a real mess out of my life. There is no hope. Don't use the messages as a way to beat up on yourself. That's not what their intent is. The intent is you can start today and go right from today forward. But I'm also wanting to help the next generation. We have some young people in this church. We have some that are, I think, uh, Jackson, you told me you were th you're, you'll be 13? It seems just like... Last week he was nine. I, I've lost a few years here. I remember when Maddie, I went to see her in the hospital when she was born. And so she's six, seven. All right. See, that seems like a couple months ago, maybe last year. And so I'm losing grip on time. But they're, they're coming into a stage of life. You got Christopher, 14 or 15? 15? Yeah, he was just 12, okay. <laughs> All right, he's 15. All right. Cheyenne, are you 13? Oh. See, those two, one was three and one was four when I come here. Man. All right, they're, they're, they're doing or they're getting ready to enter into what I call the danger zone of life. Between the ages of 17 to 27 is the danger zone. And why I call it the danger zone is because the decisions that you make between those two age groups will affect the course of your life for the rest of your life. And you're going to need the ability to make right decisions because you're entering into what I call a minefield Everybody kind of familiar with a minefield. You, you don't want to be just, you, you'll step on a landmine and you'll blow up and you'll be a statistic. And so let's get some help from the scripture. And this will help all of us. It'll help the young 
It'll help the old, it'll help the moms, it'll help the dads, it'll help the mimis, and it'll help the pawpaws uh, on, on helping their children and giving them the knowledge that they need to teach them principles So, because one day you're not going to be there and they're going to need to be able to make right decisions. All right, let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now I beseech you, therefore... Brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now I'm going to pray, and Brother Will, I need you to go to my office and get my red tool bag that's sitting there on the chair. It's my plaster's tool bag is the, is the door is unlocked, and bring that out and set it here on the platform. And I'm going to pray and ask God to bless the message And then we will begin to get into the Bible's way of making good decisions in life. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Lord, help us today. Lord, uh, these people have come hungry, and they they need help from the Scriptures. They they need your guidance and your wisdom. Lord... uh, uh, I need you to uh, move in and let me move aside and uh, let the Holy Spirit speak uh, through me, guide my thoughts, guide my tongue. And Lord, uh, let us be a help to the body of Christ this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. The danger zone, the ages be- between 17 and 27 big decisions and and let me give you some of the big decisions that you might be making uh, through this time period maybe college maybe dating maybe your first job maybe your first car uh, maybe uh, friends the friends that you'll have maybe a career field and, and by the way, if you're 15 and 14 and 16, you need to be thinking now about a career field and what you're going to want to do in this life uh, to make a living. Uh, if you're living at home, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but things just don't magically appear. I, I know they might for you at this time, but somebody is working hard to put bread on the table. Somebody's working hard uh, to pay the electric bill. And, and, and I've heard tell some, some of y'all say about your dads or your grandpas is like, man, he's just so high strung. He's, he flies off at everything. He's just so worried. He's worried about everything. And, and he needs to be calm like me. Let me tell you something. Your daddy and your grandpa worry that way so you don't have to. You'll understand that one day when the rent's due. The car's broke down, car payment's due, and the refrigerator's out, and the wife's pregnant getting ready to have a baby. <laughs> and then you won't be cool, calm, and collective asking mommy to make you a hot pocket while you're trying to reach the next level in a video game. 
<laughs> You'll be just like your dad, running around sweating, working daylight till dark, trying to figure out how you're going to do all this. And so career field, I believe that's a big, big decision. A lot of people, I don't know about you all, I still hear it from time to time. Uh, everybody in my day wanted to be a gamer. That was the career choice. Just going to be a gamer, a professional gamer. All I'm going to do is play video games, and I'm going to get paid to do it. I got news for you. You got about as much chance of doing that as becoming a professional athlete. They ain't going to happen. Everybody and his brother, that, that's a field that's totally saturated. Marriage. You'll be making the decision about marriage. Who are you going to marry? That's a big decision. But then you would make a, a career location. Where are you going to live while you work? Maybe living quarters, children. Am I going to have children and family? Church. Where am I going to go to church? Personal walk with Christ in this danger zone. Uh, teens are right now. I can almost tell you which ones have already decided, and I won't for the sake of embarrassment, that as soon as they're old enough, they're out of here. They're already making decisions. I don't want to walk with God. I want to do it my way. And that's their favorite song. I did it my way. I got news for you. That's, that's not a spiritual song. Uh, it was a famous song uh, because people want to do it their way. And I got news for you. That's going to end in a disaster. Uh, personal walk with Christ. Maybe your life, discovering your life purpose. Why are you here? Why did God allow you to be born? Why are you here? Uh, maybe your mission Maybe your financial values, that's important. Now here's some mistakes that can be made in this mistake zone or the danger zone. How about unwed pregnancies, teen pregnancies? How about uh, abortions? It's a mistake. How about STDs? How about alcoholism? How about drug abuse? How about substance abuse? Sexual abuse, bad credits, lost jobs, bad investments, school dropouts. These are minefields. These are the dangers that you'll face trying to navigate through this time of life. And by the way, here's one of your problems. One of the biggest problems you're going to face is you've not lived enough life or had enough life experiences to know what you're looking for to make a right decision. That's why parents are so important and grandparents. I, 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 I was always amazed that every teenager, you're about 18, 19, and they're trying to make the decision on who they want to marry... And all of a sudden they think their mom and dad has all of a sudden been put on earth to be an arch enemy. And that they hate my guts. They just don't want me to be me. They, they, they want to make me a person who lives in a convent somewhere. And I want to make this decision because I've found little Miss Dying. Or <laughs> little Miss Dying's found Mr. 
Mr. Big, you know, I'm, oh, yeah, I can, I can knock her down if you come over and pick me up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to have a good job one day, just not yet. <laughs> I ain't found one that's up to my standard. I got you. I'm with you. And so mom and dad, dad's sitting there like, that dude's straight up dud. I, I know Kara went through that a few times. I've seen a couple come through the door, and I just look right at her. I said, you get him out of here, or I'll drag him out. That's a straight up dud. <laughs> it's not Brother Will. <laughs> come in here like, oh, hi, Mr. Gabbard. Oh, I'm here to see your daughter. I bet you are. Somebody have to drop you off? <laughs> yeah, get him out of here. He's a moron. And all of a sudden, teenagers think moms and dads, they just don't know what they're doing. Like, oh, you just don't want me to enjoy life. You just don't want me to be happy. I want this freedom. I got news for you. You're in the danger zone, and you don't know what you're doing. But here's another problem. These decisions are yours to make. Now, here's one thing going for you. If you're between these age groups, you've not ruined your life yet. But if you don't pay attention and listen and listen to good advice, say, well, I don't have a mom and dad. You should have a pastor. You should have a pastor. At one time in this country, the pastor was the most educated man in the community. You got a pastor you can ask for godly advice. So you're in the danger zone. How do we make these good decisions? There was a man, a man by the name of William Jennings Bryan. It said, destiny is not a matter of chance. It is a matter of choice. It is not a thing to be waited for. It is a thing to be achieved. A lot of people think just life just happens. I'll go through it. I'll eat pizza, Twinkies, cotton candy, and I'll be awesome, strong, and I'll live a long life. And good things will just happen to me because I'll think happy thoughts. I'll find me some pixie dust somewhere. That's how you're programmed. And I can fly. And that's not reality. It's not reality. You say, what in the world's that tool bag up there for? Well, I'm getting to that. You're going to need some tools. Before you can make right decisions, you're going to have to make some tools. You're going to have to have some tools. And you're going to need some tools. Whatever trade you're in, whether it's a welder, a plumber, I think some of the young men said, well, they wanted to get into heating and air. You know, that's a really good trade, and I'll tell you why. Heating and air helps you with your fabrication skills. You've got to put in duct work. It's going to help you with your plumbing skills because you're going to have to plumb gas lines and freon lines. And it's going to help you with your electrical skills because you're going to have to learn how to run electric, and then you've got to be certified. That's a good trade. Plumbing's a good trade. Plastering's a good trade. It's, I wouldn't say that it's an elite trade, not like plumbing and uh, heating and air and electrical, because you didn't have to really have a license to be uh, a plaster. A plaster is just a little bit above a painter. 
And I, I'm not down in painters. There's some painters that make good money. And, and, and it's, if you like to paint, that's, that's great. But a plaster, I become a plaster in my life. And be, before I could plaster, I had to have some tools. Of course, I carry my tools in a, in a tool bag. And so one of the main tools you have to have as a plaster is a hawk. It's something to put the mud on. Of course, you can see this is, I've used it for many years. And then you would need a trial, for sure a trial. And uh, if you're just starting out, I would recommend a stainless steel trial. That way you can uh, install synthetic finishes and then you can actually cement stucco with it. So you're going to need a hawk. You're going to need a trial. You're going to need a margin trial. That's a margin trial. You're going to need that. Then you're going to need a pointing trial. You're going to need that. You're going to need uh, a float. And then you're going to need a blister mop or what we would call a white coat brush. I've got different kinds of trials, different size trials. I've got corner tools. I just don't have a paintbrush, and I should have one in there. I probably took it and was painting with it. What I'm saying is you're going to need some tools. Now, you're going to have to become familiar with your tools. I know a lot of people talk about martial arts weapons. If I had to go into a battle, a fight, against somebody that just had regular martial arts weapons, I'd pick these two. Say why? Because I used them for about 30 years every day. This is a shield, and I got news for you. I got scars on my, my arm to prove that these things are sharp as a razor. You use this every day, it will literally get sharp as a razor, and you can cut things with it, which I used to cut the mesh uh, when I installed EFs. Uh, the point is, you're going to need some tools. If you don't have the tools, you're not going to be able to do the work. And in life, making decisions, you're going to need some tools. You're going to need some tools before we can even get to the principles, which is the training on how to apply, how to work it, and of course, how not to get too dirty while you're doing it. Now, in this portion of Scripture, I picked this portion of Scripture because I feel I can pull the most from it. So I want to help you discover God's will for your life. How to make right decisions by having the right tools. Right here in the first verse, and I'm going to use some illustrations of in business hiring people. And I've hired a number of apprentices in my time. And I could tell within the first day whether that person was going to make it or not make it based upon their commitment level. And that's what he's talking about here in verse 1. You're going to have to have total commitment to God. If you want to make right choices, if you want to make right decisions, and I'm talking to Christians, if you're lost, this is not going to help you. You're going to need to be born again. You've got to go back to the first message. And I'm talking about Christians. We're Christians in here this morning. We're churchgoers. We follow Christ. And God has just not left us 
just to walk the course of life like a tumbleweed. We're going to have to have total commitment. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Total commitment to God, a living sacrifice. You know, you'll never learn anything right until you commit fully to it. Here's why. If you don't have confidence in the trade, confidence in the teacher, whether it's a trade who's showing you the ropes, or a martial arts, if you don't believe in the instructor, they can't teach you because you're always approaching every situation as a skeptic. Skeptical. Like, ah, you know, uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying, but I do it my way. I, I, I don't like those words coming out of an apprentice's mouth. When I show them how to do something the right way. Oh, well, that, you know, that don't work for me. Yeah, I don't care whether it works for you or not. You do it this way and you learn to do it this way. And when you've mastered this way, then you can do it your way. You say, boy, I don't like that language. Well, we're back to that student-teacher, apprenticeship-master. We're back to a teenager who's not lived enough life to make a right decision. The mind's working, but you don't have enough experience. You've got good parents, good grandparents, a good pastor that's lived enough life, made enough wrong decisions to be able to help you navigate this minefield. Two things pop in the way. Pride, pride, and immaturity. Pride and immaturity will hinder you. It will make you dysfunctional. A dysfunction means you cannot function normally because of a disease or an impairment. Your disease is pride and immaturity. They will hinder you, hurt you. Total commitment. Let me give you the first tool that you're going to need. You're going to have to have in your tool bag serious mind. You're going to have to have a serious mind, a sober mind. Let me give you the definition of sober. A sober mind is a mind that literally means to be brought to your senses and challenged to be disciplined and serious about life. A concern for what really matters. Take your Bible to Titus. Turn to the right, Titus. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Now this is something that's going to have to be handed down. You know my first set of tools were given to me. And parents and grandparents, these are, these are things, these are tools that you can develop in your children and grandchildren. These are things you can make sure they have. Soberness, a sound mind. You're going to need that. Titus chapter 2, verses 3. 
The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becoming holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to your own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And now I read down here because I need verse 6. Young men, likewise, so this applies to the men too, exhort to be sober-minded. You see that? You're going to need soberness. You're going to need that tool. That means... You're going to have to be brought to your senses. And that's one of the things that parents, you need to be concerned with in your children as they begin to mature and as they get older, is that they're brought to a seriousness frame of mind. But also to be disciplined. Moms and dads, grandpas, grandmas, it is not wrong to make your kids have a schedule. That's called discipline. Discipline. This laying around all day long, doing nothing, you're not doing your children no favors. By not having a schedule for them, you're, going, you're ruining them. And you're not allowing them to have the tools that they're going to need to make right decision. It is important that they keep the room clean. It is important that they get up at the same time every day. It is important that they keep themselves washed and clean. It is important that they eat the right kinds of food. You say, yeah, but those things are little. Let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of little things that lead to great things. There will be a lot of little things if I was to pick any one of you as an apprentice to be a plaster. I couldn't explain it all to you every day, all in one session. It would take 10 years to teach you and to get you to have mastery of a trade. 10 years. Now, our apprenticeship programs are only four years, but it will take you 10 years to master it. And it'll be the little things that's taught to you. Like I was taught, you need to clean your tools. I didn't show you in there, but I also got a bottle of WD-40. Say, why? Because that helps me keep my tools clean and lubricated. I got some blue steel trowels in there that I use when I plaster interior. And they'll rust if they're not taken care of. Now, cleaning your tools is a little thing. There's a lot of guys I've worked with over the years that didn't think that was no big deal. Oh, you don't have to clean your tool. And they'd let their tools, if you look at my trials... They're used. I've used this one for years, but it's got some wear on it, but it's clean. So it doesn't contaminate the product that I'm using. I keep looking down and make sure that it's straight and nobody stepped on it. And it's, it's fine. It's good. But you've got to keep it clean. Discipline, soberness, a serious mind. Uh, it's a little thing to say you need to keep your tools cleaned. You're like, Why? Oh, it's important. It's part of being sober. It's part of being and having a serious mind and to learn a discipline. So you're going to need the tool of a serious mind, but you're going to need the tool of a pure heart. Now, this is a tricky one. I showed you this trial. This trial, I could work on the wall. I can cut things with it. 
but it can also cut me if I don't handle it properly. I handle this trial very delicately and very carefully. It's like a live blade. Uh, actually, some of my trials are, are sharper than the knives I have because of that constant wearing as they're being used in the aggregates of the mud. They wear them down to a, a razor's edge. You can, I've literally shaved with my trials. They're dangerous when they get that way. The tool of a pure heart. Your heart, it's a tool. It's made by God for a specific purpose. It allows you to feel life's emotions, to discern life's desires, to decide life's direction. It's a tool of discernment and the source of inner motives. Unless you're dead, this is how your spiritual heart functions. Your heart is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your heart is what you feel, what you want, and what you think. It's the sum total of your innermost being. It represents a part of you that few people see. And it guides and directs you 24 hours a day. And it never stops functioning. And you are constantly turning to it for feedback. Every one of you is using your heart in here this morning. You're using what we call discernment. You're, you're reading me as I, as I encode to you. And you're decoding. You're reading not only the words coming out of my mouth, but you're reading my body language. You're looking at the illustrations. And so you, you are discerning and your heart is helping you make decisions about what's being said this morning. That's what we're talking about. But you're going to need a pure heart, a clean heart. You can't do much with a dirty heart or a dirty tool. Now, the Bible has this to say in Proverbs 4. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, you got to be warned. And parents, sometimes you got to step in and help your young kids, especially with electronics. They don't know how to stay away from things that they shouldn't be seeing. And here's, here's what I mean by that. It'll contaminate them. And contaminate and poison their hearts. And they won't be able to make right decisions because their heart, their tool, is not clean and it's contaminated. And it'll contaminate everything that they touch and every decision that they make. There was a time in Genesis 6, about verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I also would recommend that you don't listen or, or hang around a lot of people that do a lot of cussing or watch a lot of cussing or watch a lot of shows with a lot of killings and, 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 and all the wickedness that's on our airwaves today. And why? It's because it begins to harm you and to corrupt you and to uh, desensitize you and to, to numb you. You won't be able to make good decisions because your tool is not clean. That really becomes important when you work on an interior plastering like lime, or we call putty coat. You don't want any outside contaminants 
when you're running what we call a gauging. You really don't want to contaminate a gauging because it alters the set time of the material. And if you corrupt it too much, you'll ruin the material. All because of impurities that was on your tool, maybe even from the last gauging, that you didn't think it was important to clean because that wasn't your way. And it will be a little thing that will hinder you from making right decisions. A pure heart can lead you into God's will. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 80 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I would recommend to keep your tool clean, your heart, by confession every day. You've heard me say this, confess your sins daily. There's some people that say, well, I don't have to do that. Uh, yeah, you do. There's daily you need to be talking to God, asking God to forgive you of your sins. The Bible's clear on that. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are not going to be able to make right decisions if your heart, your discerning tool, how you discern between good and evil is dirty. You'll be trying to figure out, why do I always have something bad happen to me? Why, why is this always going down wrong? Why does this never work out? You're not making good decisions. Yeah, but I thought I was making a great decision. Your tool's dirty. You've contaminated your work area. Keep your tool clean, your heart. But then I see in the next verse, he says, And be not conformed to this world. Nonconformity. Now we're going to get on this, well, my way. I'm, I'm deaf on little kids uh, trying to interject an opinion over an adult. <clears throat> You know, words of wisdom from an eight-year-old. Really? 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 You can't even get your own underwear out. <laughs> That's right. Mama still has to cut your steak for you. <laughs> but it becomes worse when you get about 18, 19. And you want to conform to the world. I just want to do it my way. I want to do it the world's way. It's easy. It's awesome. It's hip. Everybody does it. You're going to need the tool called a courageous spirit. All of these tools you'll have. You don't have to go to the store and buy them. I, I don't have to send you. I buy my stuff at a place called Craft Tools. I really like them. Uh, they, they have really good high quality tools. And if you ever need plaster tools, you can go online and, and order what you want out of there. These tools you have available, but they need to be pulled out, identified, and put in a little tool bag mentally. And you're going to use them to help you make right decisions. A courageous spirit. Choose to move forward in life. And this is why I said, don't sit there and beat yourself up if you're 50, 60 years old. Like, oh, oh, oh. I could have used this 40, 50 years ago. 
all of us could. This comes from years digging around in the Bible. Hours of countless counseling of people and looking and watching and trying to help people that have made bad decisions and then begin to try to reduce this down. How can I help people make the right choices? You're going to need a courageous spirit. You're going to have to choose to move forward in life. Don't give in to the peer pressures. This is a big one. Don't fall into the Peter Pan mold. I think most of you have probably heard this danger zone called, I just want to sow my wild oats. It's another name for the danger zone. I just want to sow my wild oats. Maybe you've heard it like this. I just want to be me. I just want to be me. Maybe you heard it like this. I just want to find myself. If you haven't found yourself by the time you're about eight or nine, you're more than likely not going to. You're like that little dog that chases his tail around all the time. It's the silliest thing. Like it's something he's never seen before. Just trying to find myself. That's called entering that danger zone. You're lacking the right tools to make right decisions. And what happens to a lot of people, especially men, they adopt, it's a sickness, a Peter Pan syndrome. So what is that? Well, remember, he refused to grow up. He was just a Toys R Us kid. Remember, Wendy grew up. Come back. Peter Pan never did. But here's the problem I'm seeing now. At least Peter Pan had leadership qualities. These men today, they're not Peter Pan, they're the lost boys. Whoever put that together, they knew a little something. The lost boys, they couldn't do nothing. They couldn't do nothing. They never grew up. You know why? cowards. They didn't have a courageous spirit. They refused to move forward in life. Life's constantly changing. You got to be careful about this conformity. The devil, he's working and he's going to try to lure you. He's going to try to corrupt you. He's going to try to get you to put your tools down and use something else. And he's going to lure you through the lust of the flesh. Now, we're on this conformity because this is what the world and the devil's children do. The lust of the flesh is, boy, I, just, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I got plenty of time. I want to do this and run and do that. And I got a little piece of advice, too. You young folks that are getting ready to try to find jobs, let me help you. Make it a point right now, and this is where I'm talking about total commitment to God. If you want to go God's way, you want to make right decisions, you want God's blessing on your life, make it a point now because you've got all the time in the world while you're living at home to find your first job. And you tell them, I'm not working on Sundays. You say, why? Because if you don't make that a priority, you go ahead and conform to the world for the rest of your life. 
you'll be working Sundays. And the devil will pull you and pull you and pull you. Now, those that's already done that, don't, don't go in, don't march in Monday and tell them, I ain't working no more Sunday, don't do that. They will fire you. It's over. I'm trying to help the ones that don't have a job yet that might be looking for a job. Make it a point now to be totally committed to God. I'm not working Sundays. That's the Lord's day. I'll work the other six days, but not on Sunday. If you don't, the rest of your life, you will be stuck working Sundays and the devil will see to it. You say, I don't think it's important. Now we're back to that total commitment again. You're not totally buying in to God's way. And you're fixing to build your house on sand. And somewhere down the road, if it ain't me, it'll be another preacher. We'll have a conversation with you on how did this happen to me? Making wrong choices because you didn't have the right tools. Now, that was a sidebar on some advice. 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 Don't get it started. The lust of the eyes. Oh, I just got to have this, have that. Oh, I love it. That's covetousness. It's idolatry. And there's that pride thing again, the pride of life. Oh, this is what I want to be. I got somebody that wants to be a professional athlete. Everybody wants to be something. I always wanted to be Superman, you know. You know, it was just kids playing. Somebody was Batman. Somebody was this. Superman. Nobody can beat up Superman. One up you. Yeah, well, again, you got to grow up. It's the pride of life. You got to watch out for those pitfalls, those minefields in that danger zone. But last one, I think it's the most important one. The most important tool that you're going to need he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. You see that? By the renewing of your mind. You see, the natural mind is dysfunctional. It's plagued by pride and immaturity. And you're going to have to transform your mind. One of the things that happens with an apprentice, and my father did it to me, uh, you always have questions. And, and so you begin to work. When you own your own business, you get paid by the piece or by the square foot. You're not being paid by the hour. And so the boss or the owner don't make money unless... The piece is completed, or in our case, the square footage is completed. So if you can get it done in 20 hours versus 80 hours, you made more money per man hour. Now, in the course of this, you're trying to learn a trade. And so you begin to try to learn it, and you're clumsy. You're trying to do it. You're going to have to train the mind it's called muscle memory you're going to have to practice the same moves over and over and over again and the masters say 10,000 times before you can get mastery of a particular move here's my point you're going to have to begin to transform your mind you need this 
tool of God's wisdom. Because he says you've got to renew the mind. Let me get back there. Renew the mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There we are. The perfect will of God. Discovering your destiny. Well, it's not going to happen unless you get into God's wisdom. I need to give you a verse that, as you get older, will become more precious to you, but you need it to help you in this process of transformed mind or renewing your mind or developing a muscle memory to help you make right decisions by using God's wisdom. God's the teacher. The point I'm making is the teacher or the master who's training the apprentice. You can't put your mind into the mind of that apprentice that first day. So you got to break things down. You give them bite-sized pieces and then you have them practice those moves and practice them. You begin to build muscle memory in that person. One of the first things I did was have them get around a mud board and just start using their hawk and trial, getting familiar with the hawk and trial. So they can take the mud off the mud board, put it on a hawk and trial without getting it all over them. Be able to get it to the wall. That takes a lot of muscle memory. But you've got to renew that mind. You've never done this before. And so you're going to need to learn how to do it. And you're going to have to use God's wisdom. Let me give you this verse. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, when we do it God's way, you hear me say this all the time. Read your Bible, pray every day. I hate that preacher. I don't understand that preacher. Read your Bible, pray every day, come to church every time the church doors are open. I don't like that preacher. That don't work for me. I know it's not working for you. I can tell that. You've never given it a chance to work. It's going to take some muscle memory. God's ways are not your ways. God's knowledge is higher than our knowledge. We can't see the big picture. God does. And we're sitting here trying to make out like we know more than God knows. Or more than our parents know. Even though we've not lived as much life as they have. What well, just don't work? I don't want to do that way. Y'all ever got on those computer websites where you're having a problem with your computer and it gives you suggestions that did that help? Or, but one of the options is, I don't want to do this. Give me another option. I think a lot of people go through life like that. They hear advice or counsel and they say, you know what? I don't like that option. Give me another option. I'm coming to the point now. I'm just simplifying things. If I tell you to do something and counsel and say, hey, do that. That's your major problem. If you're not going to do that, I can't help you. I'm not going on. I'm not going back on and giving you everything else because that's going to be your problem. Get that fixed first. 
I just don't understand it. God's ways are not our ways. You say, okay, how do I get God's wisdom? You ask God for it. James 1 verse 5. Let the word, uh, well, let me turn there. I thought I had it down and I don't. James 1 5, I'm going to hurry. I'm almost done. If any of you lack wisdom, it's a tool. God's wisdom, you need it. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. I pray for wisdom every day. I hope that one of your prayers for your pastor is that God give me wisdom. I need that. Let me tell you where life starts getting hard. When you got to try to decide between things that are right and things that are almost right. That's where it gets complicated. And you're going to have to have these tools. But then, after we get the tools, we're going to have to have some principles. God's wisdom. Now, there's an earthly wisdom also. And you need to be aware of that. The earthly wisdom is in James chapter 3. I'll give it to you quickly because this will help you identify worldly wisdom. Verse 13, who is a wise man and endowed with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envies and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. You see it? Sensual? He's got sensual in there. For where envy, there's envy in this worldly wisdom. And strife is there is confusion in every evil work. That's worldly wisdom. You don't need that one. But the wisdom that is from above, okay, what's it look like? Well, first it's pure, then peaceable, and it's gentle. Oh, so you mean godly wisdom doesn't give me a beat down? No. <laughs> no. No. And easy to be entreated. That means you can go to it. You can go to a person who has godly wisdom and they're easy to approach. You ever been in a big meeting or a new church and you can't, you, you feel intimidated to approach the preacher or you, you, you get some preachers and they make you feel little? That's not godly wisdom that they have. That's wrong. It's prideful and it's evil. It's not right. This is the kind of wisdom that you need. It's godly, it's gentle, it's peaceable, and it's easy to be entreated. But then, there's one more tool you're going to need. You say, man, I thought you was really going to give me some great tool tips. No, that's for the Peter Pan people. They're looking for pixie dust. These things are going to take work. Yeah, God doesn't sell scratch-off tickets. Oh, man, I won $10,000. One dollar investment. Yeah, I got it. Put your money in the plate. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But these aren't, you know, quick and easy tips. This ain't a TikTok video. This is reality. You're going to need a life of faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. So then faith 
is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, things not seen. Faith means trusting God when He doesn't make sense. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times out of an apprentice. That don't make any sense. I know it don't to you. Do it anyway. It will make sense by and by. I've done this particular job, this particular product, over 10,000 times. Trust me, you want to do it like this. Yeah, but it don't make sense to me. There's a lot of times God has us do things. This just don't really make sense, does it? What do you do when God takes somebody from you? What happens when you follow God with all your heart and things don't go well? How do you respond to God when He leads you into a trial, a controversy, or a sorrow? Yeah, it's when it starts getting real. We're not promised easy lives. You're going to have to have a life of faith. These last 11 years, and one day maybe I'll write a book about it. There's been a lot of days where God was not making sense to me. But I look back today, from the time I was in it to today, and it makes perfect sense now. Because I can see it. I couldn't see it. And God was working on me, just trust me. Just trust me. This is for the good. Trust me. This is for the good. You're like, I'm not seeing it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. This is uncomfortable. But it makes sense. Living the faith life means you trust God fully and rely upon His strength regardless of what He chooses to do. Living by faith means you trust God even when your whole world is falling apart. I've been there. And I had to come to the point where I had to say to God, if you choose to kill me, I'm going to do right. I'm going to serve you. But you do whatever you know is best. That's called the life of faith. You're going to need that tool. You have to have that tool. You're not going to make it without that tool. Faith is knowing in your heart that God is working all things together for the good. I've had to say this to some of my folks to comfort them when tragedy strikes. I assure you that God chose this way because it was the best way. Because there was something that we couldn't see, but God did, and He removed them. I believe that 100%. That's called faith. If you don't look at it like that and you look at it from a, a, a standpoint that God's not a rewarder, that God does evil, why did God do this? You're looking at it wrong. You're not using faith. You're, you're missing out on a very good tool. All things work together for the good to them that love God. No matter how bad it seems, God chose the best way even though we can't see it. I assure you that. 
Faith is Joseph wrongly put in jail for never turning his back on God. Think about that. Faith is Paul and Silas in jail singing praises to God after they'd been beat for obeying God. Faith is Noah being ridiculed while he's building a boat in his front yard. Faith is Peter stepping out of the boat in the middle of a storm. The storm that God sent him into. Sometimes God will send you right into a storm. He sent Abraham right into a famine. Before you can ever start making right decisions, you're going to have to have these tools in your tool bag. You're going to have to have total commitment to the things of God. Abandon the pattern of the world. And then you're going to have to begin to retrain your mind, the renewing of the mind, to the mind of Christ. Let me relieve you with a verse of Scripture to back that up. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14. Here's what's wrong with your mind. But the natural mind receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. That's right. A lot of what I'm saying today, a lost person or a backslid person say, that's foolish. I'm not doing that. Not doing that. Neither can he know them. That's right. You'll never know it. Because they're spiritually discerned. Oh, there we are with that heart thing again. Discernment. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet himself is judged in no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You're going to have to go God's way. You're going to have to renew that mind. You're going to have to reprogram it to God's way. You're going to need that tool. God's wisdom. The life of faith. You're going to need the tool of a courageous spirit, the tool of a pure heart, and a serious mind, soberness. Next week we'll get into the principles. A principle is a truth that's true no matter where you're at or what time period you're in. Principles for making right decisions. You see, People are not making good decisions today because they don't know how. Or they don't want to know. Or they like to gamble. Like, well, I'll just gamble. It'll just work out. You know, I've known people like that. We call them, they throw all caution to the wind. That works for about 15, maybe 18 years. And it comes crashing down. And they're either left dead, drunk, or addicted to drugs, or homeless. That's how it's left. You want to discover your destiny? You want to be able to navigate the danger zone of life and make right choices? Go God's way. God's way is above our way.
God's thinking's above our thinking. You'll have a better life because of it. Let's all stand.